you know, 1987, that's when, you know, real men sang like real women, you know. <laughs> They, and but they certainly they just, look like them with their hairdos. Yeah, <laughs> their hair, their, that's when men's hair was better than women's hair. <laughs> it was, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. You know, the man, the so man, um, the man. Which is why we're still term. dealing with the ozone layer issue because uh, all of the hairspray from '87, <laughs> basically. Um, G'day, fellas. How are we doing? Anzac Day and all. Did we have a good Anzac Day? Um, Hi, David. The... Hello, David. <laughs> I went to the most shambolic um, Anzac service I've ever been to today. Oh, which one was that? Oh. Uh, in Paraparamu. It was Ooh, I read about. Oh. I read about what happened at the end there. Yeah, it was just bad all round. No one could use a microphone and a PA system. Right. Um, they refused had a shortened session it was so bad no one could hear um and then at awesome. the end the um local um common law sheriff got up yes, to say a few that. words and then they went off off they went off on their own tangent and got shut down which was rather entertaining yeah. and they weren't even going to do an anthem today so um a lady from the crowd said no no this is inappropriate we've got at least got to do that you know and it, Basically, don't let a bunch of guys organise stuff with a PA and a microphone. Just get a woman to do it because she went up there, grabbed the microphone, must have done something like turn it on and then belted out the anthem. Brilliant. Everyone joined in and it was a, but it was utterly shambolic. Um, Unlike yeah. this podcast, four fellas organising yeah. themselves to try and do a podcast. Well, Absolutely. this one works good, good. way, way better than that. This is it a was world the, machine now. The <laughs> worst Anzac service I've ever been to. It's a good, good start to the podcast, though, bro. Absolutely. Good start to the that. podcast. Mm. Yeah. Oh, we can start again. I can just edit that out. Anyway. <laughs> start on a downer. <laughs> no, no, it was just comical at its worst. <laughs> I'm pretty right. glad you asked me, Dave. Yeah, I wish one of you fellas had jumped in instead of him, but however, let's... <laughs> you asked, you bloody ass. Well... <laughs> and I had a story to tell. Welcome welcome to our listeners to another episode of Music, Movies and Madness. <laughs> there we um, go. I dealt with the madness. Well yeah. yeah, look, the, this is the show where we try to make sense of movies and music um, of years gone by. Sometimes... Um, more successful than others. Ian and Martin, I think us three struggled with our movies last week, didn't we? It wasn't a wasn't a we good did. week last week. It was nineteen seventy, wasn't it? Nineteen seventy was a was a dire week. Mm. Yes. But, so let's um, hope better things to good. come. Yeah. For movies anyway. Yeah. For movies. Yeah. So yeah. Take us back, Glenn. Our twelve-year-old selves. What were you, what was your twelve? What were you doing at twelve in terms of I movies wasn't, and music? I wasn't actually twelve in nineteen eighty-seven. Oh, so I was eleven. Eleven. Okay, that's right. You're a little bit younger. No, you still are. Yes. Yeah. I am, and always will be. Yeah. So you, you no, know, you look 12, youthful as well, man. You look right. really youthful. I, moist, I do moisturize. <laughs> do you exfoliate? I, I no, I don't. <laughs> but I do moisturize. <laughs> I, I haven't led possibly a hard life like you. <laughs> But um, I've always looked after my skin. Yeah, um, there's no amount of moisturizer that can help me, man. 
Uh, <laughs> well, that's like not good for anybody. What were you doing? What were you doing when you were 11? Um, I was going to school. And that was seemed reasonable at the time for an 11-year-old to do. Um, working mum and dad's family business. And... Um, hanging out with David um, quite a bit because he lived over the back oh, fence. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So that was pretty cool. And I yeah. really remember big albums of mm. David's more than my own, actually, in some ways, because he was so into it. He was probably into music more than I was at that time. Yeah. And that's what I was doing in 1987. Mm. Ian? Yeah, I am. Um, I think I was in transition. I was going from... Um, Actually, Tawa to the Capity Coast. <laughs> I'm just That's trying to write things you. up. That's when we <laughs> met you. Write things up after the intro. Um, you know, that's that's when I met you guys. There was but nothing wrong with the intro. David asked a question. I, Seemed reasonable. I think I think the um, the movie memory for me of that time was actually a movie they put on at Tower Intermediate, which I was there for one year, and it was Condor Man. Oh gosh, never heard of that. Uh, and then Actually, you, up you, in my yeah. research. <laughs> you remember that? No. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a lot earlier than 87. It's like 80 yeah. or 81. And it's, yeah, uh, I Googled it. Michael Crawford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, and Oliver uh, Reed. My, that was my memory. Yeah. It was so a Disney movie. It. Ian, you were at school with my wife, hey? She was from I the same that, year, probably. I don't think I went to Tower College with her. I went to Hampton Hill no. School. I'd have messed up past, man. I was all over the place. Mm. That's why I'm like I am. Anyway, Martin, moving on, man. <laughs> Thanks for that segue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, welcome. 87, 87. Um, what was I doing in 87? Yeah, same kind of deal, really. Lots of school. I seem to remember going on mm. a school trip to the Isle of Wight, and it was my first time away from home without mum and dad. I do remember wow. that. Um, and I remember sitting on the sitting on the camp. Uh, on the bus, uh, going to somewhere or coming back from it, singing all of the songs that were kind of current at that time, including things mm. like I Want to Dance with Somebody, Whitney Houston. Oh, yeah. That was oh, yeah. everywhere. And I do remember oh. singing the Star Trek one as well, that Star Trek in one. Oh, oh yes, yes, that yes, was hideous. That was, the that was a classic school bus <laughs> song, really, you know, because everybody was, knew really. it. My dad loved that song. There's clingings on the stabbard now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> geez. Yeah. Um, movie-wise. against movie humanity. Wise, yeah. God. Uh, yeah, lots of memories, I guess, of that time of watching films that I probably shouldn't have been watching. Lots of sort of things like Lethal Weapon and all of those kind of action <laughs> movies that came out around that time. <laughs> Did you, older, did you have an older brother, Martin? I did, yeah. So he was th he's three uh, years older than me. So, like, yeah, he, yeah. he was kind of into that. That, that, that. Yeah. that says it all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Says it all. No. So it, it oh, we, explains we went, a lot. <laughs> we went on a school trip to the Wire Rapper, to Masterton and Featherston. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So at the time, we got to stay on the Marae. That was amazing. Oh, that part, you know, that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of it was pretty. It was an interesting year for um for New Zealand. We had uh, we went uh, nuclear free, so we officially went nuclear free in eighty seven. Um, good work. All Blacks, All Blacks won the first Rugby World Cup, mm -hmm. and and the most important of the three, Lotto goes on sale for the first time. 
<laughs> some, oh. friend, some friends of mine won Lotto. Did they? The big one? No, they won half a mil. That's big enough. I reckon that is too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. yeah. In terms of the the films, though, um, mm. it was the year of the sequel. So get this, guys. Beverly Hills Cop 2, Revenge of the Nerds 2, A Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street 3, Police Academy yeah. 4, Jaws 4, Superman 4, Star Trek 4. Police <sighs> Academy 4. Was it that really? Wow, they were thrashing they, those. They kept guys. going. That went on to about oh. seven or eight, I think. Oh, yeah. God. It was Steve uh, Gutenberg with his Zimmer frame. <laughs> well, Jaws, I mean, Jaws came out when? Glenn, you, I remember you talking about this. Yep, 1970, when did, on our um, prototype show. Yeah, yeah. When, when did that come uh, out? 1975. 75. Five. Five. Wow, 75. And by 87, they're doing Jaws 4. Yeah. And it was a wow. Um, it was oh, yeah, a, a, it tanked rotten. Uh, it had Michael Caine in it, and I saw an interview with Michael Caine, and he said, um, "He says I've never seen that movie, but I have seen the house that I, I paid for <laughs> with my wages." From it. <laughs> oh, that's a great line. <laughs> um, yeah, um, oh, it, it was a stinker, a terrible, terrible movie. Well, uh, so oh, yeah. No. Look, sequels aside, there must have been some good movies of that year. So, Martin, oh, maybe yeah. you want to do you want to lead us off? I'd what did love you think? to. Yeah, so I went with one again. That actually, I didn't watch in '87, and I didn't watch in '88 or '89. It must have been at least '90 that, that I watched it, and it was uh, RoboCop. Just because oh, yeah. it oh, was yeah. like mm. as hardcore a violent movie as you could possibly ever get. Really, like it took things to the limit. But as well as it being, <laughs> a, um, you know, a fairly well, a hyper violent sci-fi movie i guess it also is a real biting satire of a movie as well it totally pummeled the whole reagan thing um it, it got into the idea of everything being pri privatized you know mm. so it's it mm. kind of pr prophetic it saw it kind of happening on what was coming and uh, to the point where in, in the movie you know they, they pri privatized the police force um which is where the whole idea of the uh, RoboCop program comes from. Uh, there's mm. like a, uh, a giant corporation, basically, that uh, buys out um, Detroit, where it's set. Um, and they, um, they own pretty much the whole place, including all the criminals and all of the police force. So it's very much kind of all mm. interlaced and inter intertied. Um, the film was directed by uh, Paul Verhoeven, uh, he's a Dutch director who also made um, some other sci-fi classics in uh, Starship Troopers. And, uh, oh, the, that's a classic. That's and, a cult classic. And the Schwarzenegger Total Recall was by him as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. He's always been a, a very provocative director. Um, he's not in any way, shape or form um, scared, so to, scared to put... Um, uh, uh, graphic violence or sex or nudity or, or religious stuff into his movies he's all for it you know if he can stir the pot he will stir it yeah. um and uh so this was like a perfect kind of project for him when it came up uh interestingly enough it was written um quite a bit earlier it was actually written uh the the writer of the movie i forgot his name now um wrote it while he was working on blade runner in 82 That's or right. 81 nice. so um you know it had been around the studios quite a bit and, and been hawked mm -hmm. around 
Um, mm. But it wasn't really, yeah, until Verhoeven kind of came on board that it kind of finally got a go-ahead. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's interesting to watch it now because it has aged. Um, but at the same time, there's still some really cool stuff going on in it, you know, even though yeah. the the uh, special effects, a lot of them are done with stop motion, so it's, it's animated, you know, as opposed mm. to it being CG or whatever. Um, there's yeah. something cool about it. In the same way, like Star Wars is cool in that respect as well, you know, practical effects. Um, they just look cool. <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. There's something we, solid about them. We've recently watched that um, Robocop movie um, after watching like the making of movies that, you know, um, Doco, I think, on Netflix. And I think it's aged incredibly well incredibly well i think it's a fantastic film um and yeah the satirical stuff in it could equally apply today um mm-hmm. and yeah no i thought it stacked up extremely well um my, my, yeah, i remember watching it yeah i remember watching it for the first time uh so i'd have been young and i yeah i was totally convinced you know the guy nearly died to to turn him into a robot Mm-hmm. And I, I and the and the you know the robot machines. I was com- totally convinced, man. I thought this that was amazing. Yeah, so that's a good movie, you know, the, to capture the imagination of the My, of the team. Just oof, straight away. And, and it's also movie. funny as it's funny as oh, it's yeah, like it's really dark humor, but it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, way that people get blown apart is hilariously funny. The other um, cool that little like. thing that they put in there is that every now and again they they suddenly like cut the action and and it suddenly they show like a, a little TV ad, like a TV mm. commercial that they've kind of made up. And, <laughs> One of the ongoing ones is for a car, like a, this like super gas guzzling car called the SUX, <laughs> and um, they, they, they it's like have like a, like a plasticine Godzilla type monster kind of in one of the adverts, uh, and then there's a another uh, one where they have a board game and it's called Nukem, <laughs> and there's like four kids like trying to launch the bomb and stuff. And, it is. Yeah. It is. It's a brilliant piece of movie. Does it have the time? Have the no, time. no, no, no. I think it's of its time now too. Well, no, yes. I think it's. Thanks. I think it stacks up really well. Well, um, my my favorite part in the whole movie. It, it plays a lot like a western as well. You know, the character Robert Cobb is very much in that kind of John mm. Wayne and uh, Jimmy Stewart kind of characteristic. Uh, but at the end of the film, when when uh, the villain gets his kind of comeuppance and gets shot, um, he basically. Um, falls through a window out of a, a, a multi-story kind of skyscraper and basically falls to his death. But it's done with stop motion. And if you watch it, it it's just hilarious because the guy's got like eight foot long arms because it's all plastic <laughs> 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 It's just Love brilliant. It. So yeah, um, nice. Robocop, if you haven't seen it, what have you been doing for the last 40 years? Yeah. Uh, go, on, go and watch it for God's sake. Um, yeah, a great film. Uh, a great film. I'd buy. I'd buy I'd that buy for that a dollar. dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. So well, there good. was a sequel to that too, wasn't it? So we won't go into that, but I think they're pretty sure there was a Robocop too. There was a two, mm. there was a three, there was an animated oh. series. <laughs> it was a kids' TV show. Uh, it, it's done the rounds. And that shows you how good it was. They they they, they, they thought they could it. do that. Yeah. Yep, they <laughs> milked it. Damn. Rightio. On uh, onwards, Mr. Wallace, what do you have for us? Oh, okay. My, yeah, my movie review 
It's pretty short, actually, short and sweet. I thought I'd keep it tonight. So uh, for our listeners, you will know that I tend to do uh, some form of baking or something whilst I'm doing my movie review. So this week I was making a a cauliflower steak. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay cauliflower steak. Cauliflower steak. Uh, yeah, the cauliflower is a steak. It's, it was, it's really nice. Go and try that if you want to get a, a bit of that going. steak of cauliflower. Yeah. A steak of cauliflower whilst listening to get some motivation in preparation for the movie. Had a little bit of um, Tchaikovsky, Tchaikovsky for running. Mm. Yeah. What, what did track you see? One was sli- track one was Sleeping Beauty. Nice. <laughs> what, what, out of chance, what did you season your steak with? Oh, this well, Gordon Ramsay. It's on YouTube. There's quite a lot. There's dill, there's parsley, there's black pepper. There's uh, there's there's all sorts of shit in there. So anyway, uh, it's good. Go and do it. Go and make one. The movie I chose was called Barfly. Have you guys seen that? it? Did you, did you no, watch it? I've never no. heard it. And I chose it because because um, I've because ne- it's not really well known, and it's got the main actor is uh, Mickey Rourke. And I quite like Mickey Rourke as an actor. Um, he's an he's an Iron Man, right? And Sin City, I really like Sin City, and all those kind of things. So you know, he's he's the dude that was in that. And I thought, well, mm. I've never actually watched much of his where he's the main kind of dude. Yeah. So this was the movie that he is. Uh, he plays the part of a, a writer. Uh, it's it's basically a movie about two alcoholics. And it's a really good movie. It's uh, the lady in it's called Faye Dunaway. The oh, budget, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, budget was three million. Box office three point two million. <laughs> Didn't make a lot. <laughs> sure, Faye, but, Faye would have been um, in her fifties, or is she old? I'd say, she, yeah, probably definitely late forties, man. Yeah, she's yeah, she's pretty hot. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was. Um, wasn't I'd she buy in that for a dollar. Um, bon- Bonnie and Clyde that I reviewed in '67? I'm pretty sure yeah, she was. Yeah, that's she right. Was. Yeah, she yeah, was. She was. She was, was the lead. She was Bonnie and, and Bonnie and Clyde in '67. Yeah. So that's how yeah. old she. Yeah, that's a while. Of, She's yeah. She obviously moisturises. She. Yeah. <laughs> she. She has. She plays a really. They both play a really good part. Yeah. And and Mickey Rourke, I don't like his characters. The character's accent that he's taken on, but mm. that, that's just that's just the role play, yeah. But his acting's really good in it. Uh, yeah, it's about two kind of alcoholics. He's a bit of a, a genius writer, and I think the movies. I watched it, and you know when it's a little bit dodgy, and you think, ah, oh, we're getting to fifteen minutes, and you know, more interested in the cauliflower steak. But actually, I I, I let it carry on, and. I'm glad I watched it right to the end. So if you're going to watch it, Barfly it's called. Uh, yeah. yeah, watch it. Make sure you okay. watch it to the end. Yep. It touches, yeah, it touches on stuff like um And it's well worth it. Yeah. It's worth it, man. Yep. Alcoholism, nice. jealousy, uh, class differences, that sort of stuff. Yeah, good movie. Yep. I'd, I'd give it 8 out of 10. Oh, mm-hmm. nice one. That's a good movie. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Come yeah, watch to her side. How what? What's that? How many the minutes steak. per side of the steak? Oh, right. I thought you meant the movie. Uh, no. Well, maybe some yeah. 
Who cares about the movie? We're interested in the cauliflower. Oh, the steak. Oh, so what you do is you fry it first in olive oil, mm. and you do that till you've got to get the colour, mm. and then you do that on both sides so the colour's there. Chuck the garlic in, put a bit of butter oh, in to man. seal the colour, put some water in to seal it, put the lid on. Anyway, go and watch, go and watch Gordon Ramsay on YouTube. All right. Nice. I, just don't like that guy. I don't like that That's guy. real, real but I like the idea. Yeah. Mm. All right. Ben, over to you, yes. mate. I've, I've chosen a movie really close to home, really, really close to home. I've chosen Peter Jackson's first movie feature film um, called Bad Taste. And that was nah. filmed um, around Pokirua Bay, Makara, yes, yes. Um, and, and also on Potirua. And the movie is, we filmed it over four years um, and just bit by bit with an old wow. camera. That's a long time. Um, wow. And then, then strung it to, then strung it together and, and it um and it's become a very big cult classic. Mm. Um the plot of the movie is ridiculous. It's effectively a bunch of aliens that have come to a little town harvesting people for a fast food factory. <laughs> you know, fast food, alien fast food. <laughs> and they just and they wear human suits and they wear blue shirts and it's and so the new zealand government get wind of this and it's not good so instead of sending the armed forces and they send in the boys which consists of four guys and a ford capri <laughs> and this really wingnut guy and they go in there and try and take these aliens out and the aliens take them out and it's 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 a splatter yeah. film so those who don't like wincy you know stuff but the splatter is so ott it's alien and splatter. it's so gross yeah. it's alien splatter it's people splatter it's sheep splatter um mm. you know mm. it's, it's all going on and it ends up with this epic battle at the gear homestead which is in potty yeah. not just up the road yeah, here yeah, yeah. where people have their weddings and this was the area this was the spaceship <laughs> that takes off into outer space and for me i chose this film i saw it in my you know when i was a teenager i'm mom and we sort of had a video recorder and it would just absolutely was the dumbest thing i think i'd ever seen it was one of the funniest things i'd ever seen and it was just so good to see our local scenery in a movie Mm. You know, this is a movie, and it's like, oh, there's Kapiti Island, there's Mana Island. Oh, that's Makra. That's Makra Village where they harvest all the people. So it was all this really <laughs> local stuff and, like, Pukirua Bay and, you know, just really corny dialogue and funniness. It's and, just funny all the way through let's, it. Let's not underestimate, in 1987, seen your own backyard, just on the TV was a big deal, let alone the big screen. Mm, well, it was yeah. a, it was a big deal. I remember we had some kids at Capity Primary School that were doing ads. Um, the kid Stacy Adams, and he was oh, like yeah. he he was a little guy, right? It was Lee, Lee right. Adams and Stacy Adams. I think Stacy mm-hmm. was the one that made all the commercials and that. And just seeing mm. someone you knew on on television, and, and then you just sort of extrapolate that out to the big screen and saying, you know. Mm. The places you the places you go on the weekends um up on the silver screen just amazing yeah great times, um, great times. It, I think I totally a, and it's a very unique uh kiwi thing that as well because you know it, it, you know during the time that i've been here which is what 10 12 years now um you know things like what we do in the shadows and uh eagle versus shark and all those taika films as well you know mm. they're all mm. filmed 
in our in our neighborhood. You know, there's scenes in yeah. what we do in the shadows that were literally filmed outside my bedroom window here in the in the street. So. Um, oh my God, you're in it, Martin. <laughs> no, <laughs> that bloody camera. Not in that the one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not one of those so, movies. <laughs> the, for for people who haven't seen it, it, it's very different. Who would have thought? I remember yeah. when um, the news came through that Peter Jackson and his crew were going to be doing um, Lord of the Rings. Mm. For one, I didn't know what Lord of the Rings was. Um, it was something that you know nerdy people read um and the, he was doing this and i'm like oh my god that guy who's made like brain dead and bad taste he's gonna do that this nice. thing's gonna be just yeah. gore fest and it wasn't and i was a little bit disappointed but there's a couple little bits in the lord of the rings that have definitely got that sort of splatterness to it which i bit of a nod to bed yeah bad, yeah and just love it so highly recommend and it is available on youtube somebody's potted up at the moment and it's funny as it still stacks up it's a hilarious yarn um, that was Good made movie. for budget of 25k um, Unreal. 25k, <laughs> 25k, all homemade. It's yes. it is it is like basically you you and us with a bunch of extra mates going off and making this thing over four years. Yeah, it, right. it, it, and that alone is its charm and amazing. Love it, right, nice. David? Yeah. Good. Oh, good to you, mate. Um, good review. Okay, well, it's going to be hard to follow that, fellas. Uh, so oh. look, uh, I'm going to do this. I've got a two course thing going tonight. Oh. Two courses. Let's stay on the food food analogy um mm-hmm. the entree i'll make this short and sweet but it's a bit of a, a shout out to james and keen on our facebook site who recommended i go and watch the lost boys from hey. 87 um it's one of those teen sort of coming of age movies that i'd never seen but oh. i heard about and uh the guys yeah on facebook last week said you got to see it. it's got a great soundtrack which it does good um, advice and yeah. What's not to love about this movie? Eh? It's got mm-hmm. vampires on motorbikes. Um, look, some of the most feminine-looking male vampires I think I've ever seen. They, they um, tend to be a little bit feminine. And everyone in the movie is beautiful. <laughs> everyone is gorgeous and beautiful. It was just, it was such a cool movie to watch because... Um, <laughs> I remember, I remember I, the girls I, loving that film a lot. Well, even the vampires are nice for the first time. You're not quite sure... That guy David, which which is just the most um, inspiring name, I thought, <laughs> for a lead character. The, oh, um, Jesus! It's a, the, he 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 seemed like a good guy for the first sort of three quarters of the movie until he started showing his fangs and and then he seemed him and that um, the guy that played Michael, the, the the other lead actor, they seemed to have eyes for each other. I, I was struggling to work out who's. Who the love interest was? Um, who's gonna Who's gonna suck whose blood? Yeah, it was. It was really. It was all over the place, and it kept you guessing as to what you were quite watching here. Um, did it make? Did, I mean, there was. Was a, it the movie that made vampires cool? I think it did. It's, yeah. it's got a cult following. So it, yeah, it's, it's got. There's comic books that have been spun out of this. There's a whole. Um, in fact, if you still if you go to Armageddon, there are people still dressing up. Like um, that, those bikey vampires yes. um, with the hairdos and uh, the blonde bleached hair of uh, David, the lead, the head vampire mm. guy, which was Kiefer um, Sutherland, right? Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, yeah, heaps of fan fiction out there. I mean, it's, it's it was heaps of fun. Um, I mean, the characters are wafer thin, and you know, <laughs> there's not much to them, and it's all stereotyped. It's like everything was in the '80s when it came to teen movies. 
just think Breakfast Club and the likes, but it was just so much fun. Um, I'd never seen anything quite like it and, and kept you on the edge. So uh, thanks, guys. Really enjoyed that. And, uh, Whose recommendation was it? Uh, so James and Ken were posting some notes on the Facebook site, on the chat there around um, this Go, movie. James. Go, Ken. Go, James. Go, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> But on, to the the, on, on to the main course, <laughs> The Princess Bride. Now, hey. another, another cult classic. Um, Absolutely. It's hard to know where to start here. Uh, most people know this. It's directed by Rob Reiner. He did Spinal Tap. Um, uh, this is Spinal Tap. He did Misery, American President. So he's done a few things. It's got um, starring Kerry Yules. Yules, I can't quite pronounce it. Mandy. Paddington, Chris Sarandon, Christopher Guest, Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, Robin Wright, Peter Falk, Fred Savage, Billy Crystal, Mel Brook, and Peter Cook. What a cast um, of who's who in, in the 80s, um, when it, especially when it comes to comedy. Um, mm-hmm. Music by the legendary Mark Knopfler. Mm-hmm. Love. Um, great soundtrack. Yeah, great soundtrack. Um, great My love story. is like story. Oh, you go, oh, go, song. Ian. You do oh, it. That's a good song, isn't it? Is that a song? It is, it is a good song. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. I, I'm not going to go into the plot or anything. I did watch this with my kids and um, their mate Ben, who lives down the road, and they're all sort of between the ages of seven and ten. And I sat down on Friday night and watched it with them, and because I, I, I was just I was curious as to see whether this, this is one of those films that's sort of only watched by sort of middle-aged men and women that grew up with it back then, or whether it's sort of held, it can still, you know, hold an audience with the, the young ones um, in this day and age, given that, you know, as we've talked about previously, a lot of movies from years gone by seemed a bit, a bit slow compared to modern day films. This one though, um, it still hits the nail on the head. Um, I, I was surprised at how, um, and I, perhaps it's the perhaps it's the the story within the story. You know, you got the boy right with his grandpa reading the book. I don't know if you're going to remember it, but he's reading the book mm-hmm. with his dad, grandpa. His grandpa's trying to read the story, and then there's like the kissing scenes and there's the scary scenes, and the boy interrupts constantly through it. And and the kids that I was watching it with just thought that was hilarious because that was them. They totally got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little clip here that I took. Yeah, a little a little soundbite from from one of them who um, who had just seen it, and literally you can hear you can hear the credits rolling in the background with um, Nofla's song. I liked it. I liked if every character except for like the bad guy and the prince. And then um, I really found the boy funny. Mm-hmm. The boy who kept on interrupting his grandfather. True, yeah, yeah. He also had a lot in common with me. He did, didn't he? Yeah. Did you like, have a favorite... he do- like he doesn't like kissing. Yes. Did, did... Favourite scene? Probably... My favourite scene's probably the one where the giant leg pulls him throwing a rock and also the one where he keeps on back knocking people out by jogging when he's trying to jog their memories. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> I also like the one we were like, whoa. <laughs> the marriage celebrant. Yeah. Played by Peter Cook. Wow. Marriage. 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 It never dies. That stuff is comedy gold. And it doesn't matter how old you are, I think. 
uh, what generation you are, this thing is going to live on forever. And you know why? I tell, I tell you why. Because that movie is a perfect movie. It's got an amazing yeah. script. It's razor sharp funny. Um, and that's what makes it timeless. It's just so mm. well put together. And you can tell that they were having a ball making that movie. You know, they had the best time on that movie, I think. Yeah. I agree, and I think it's got those classic um, story angles, you know, the prince and all of those elements mm. of the a good fairy tale, um, the hero, etc., and all of those type of things. If I was and, to compare that with the never-ending story, oh, I would definitely put that way, way above. I'd agree. Agreed. There was a funny. I, that's one yeah. I haven't seen. I, it's another one I haven't seen. Never-ending story. Seen, I, I don't no. remember seeing that either, David. You're going to need a box no. of tissues. That's a movie that traumatised a hell one. of a lot of kids, that movie. There was, uh, a, there was a very, very funny um, review that was put up um, on stuff recently by a reporter saying the movie that terrorised Generation X. Um, it's a long movie. It's a long movie. It never ends. <laughs> oh, you guys come on so good, so good. I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to go back and watch that one day with my daughter that sounds like a good one to do they, um, I was talking about this with my brother just the other day because they watched it at, do you remember at Capity Primary they had they had movie days um, yes, yes. And, yeah. and they showed never ending story um, to primary school kids um, it's probably why a lot of them turned out quite traumatized, <laughs> disturbed, <laughs> disturbed by it. But yeah, it was, I no, never I'm... saw that. I didn't go to that screening, thank goodness. <laughs> but never mind. So that unusual movie though, because it was European as well, and you know what didn't have a Hollywood backer. Um, never ending story, and I think okay. it was actually made in Germany, um, which at the time yeah. you know was making yeah, tra- yeah. trabants and not much mm. else really. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it's an interesting bit of cinema really. Yeah. Did that come out the same year? No, it was earlier. No. 84, okay. right. 85. Right. Um, I did actually see both of those movies as, as a kid. So yeah, um, memories of both, but yeah, uh, Princess Bride has just stuck with me. I love that movie to death. Mm, you know, isn't it? It's a great movie. Nice. Righty ho, hmm. thanks for that. All right, so let's move on to the albums of the year. Uh, just before we do uh, another mixed year for albums, um, where are my notes here? We had we had some classics, didn't we? We had Joshua Tree oh, came out. God, so many. Appetite for Destruction, there's a couple. Mm. Martin's already touched on Star Trek in by the firm. I mean, that's uh-huh. a... Actually, that, there's an interesting classic. story. I don't know if you know the story behind the video for that. If you remember the animated, mm-hmm. um, clay animated uh, stop motion or whatever it is, uh, figurines. Do you know how that came about? No. That was, no. So so what happened was the guys that did um, Star Trek and were in their 30s, 30-somethings, and it hit number one. And as everyone knows in the UK, when you hit number one, you go on top of the pops, right? It's a thing. They were invited to go on top of the pops and they said, There's no way we can go on there. If we go on there, we'll kill we'll kill this track. That no they're gonna look at us and see sort of middle-aged guys um bopping around bopping around on stage. So we need 
<laughs> so they came up with the, the idea of a music video, but they couldn't pull one together in the time and in the budget um, that they wanted. So they went to some grad students at a local college, um, oh, university, brilliant. and said, what can you do for 10 bucks um, in one week? You've got one week. And so these guys, <laughs> they pulled it together. And that's why you've got fruit and all sorts of strange things um, ah. in, in, in the actual clip. Um, and and it worked. And it worked. And it was a huge hit and, and massive success. I mean, I know a lot of people hate it. It's... Um, uh, I don't know how you'd cope with it on the bus ride or on the trip to your. Um, where were you going, Martin? It was the Isle of Wight. The Isle oh, of Wight. Seriously, that would have driven me potty. But yeah, um, it did really well. So we had a real mixed bag. Um, maybe we'll have that tonight. I'm not sure. Should we kick off mm-hmm. with? Let's see. Let's go, New Glenn. I think we we ended okay. up doing the movies. Yeah. Wait. All right. So I chose. Diesel and Dust by Midnight Oil. Um, this is an album released in August 87, and it mm. became a big, it was a big album in our house. Um, I think it was quite a, it's, let's put it this way, that Midnight Oil is a band that um, is not afraid to wear their heart on their sleeve. Mm. Um, they are certainly one of the more sort of, what political bands I've ever ever come across, um, yeah. and they use that for their inspiration for their songs, and they're Good there. Band. Yeah, oh, phenomenal! Um, and they're not afraid to, you know, say what needs to be said in a lot of ways, regardless mm. you may agree or disagree with it. But it's Peter Garrett, right? Peter Garrett and the rest of the crew. Yeah, absolutely. He, he was the run front for office. Did he run for office? In, yes, in he did. Yeah, yep, he did. So. He, only, he did back up his activism by having a go at trying to make change as yeah. well. Which, yeah, yeah. Um, Good on him. Good on him. By, by all accounts, his book, um, his, the book of his career is, is pretty epic um, to read, but we're not going to go into that tonight. We're going to talk about why this album is just so powerful. Even now, giving it a spin, um, mm. none of the issues that um, it covers is, has been resolved um basically yeah <laughs> not not at all um the Crazy. album was the album was first um it sort of was came about because in 1986 they toured with some indigenous art, um australian artists through the outback hmm. um and they the tour was called um black fella white fella tour um and then they they got to see the the struggles that indigenous australians have and what had happened to them over um since australia um, was colonized and it was pretty bleak so they were all fired up absolutely fired up um and so came out guns blazing along with their other issues that they had which was um um, environmental causes, um, corporate um, destruction, um, or you know the the the, um, the impact of capitalism, and also um, oil drilling in the Arctic, and you know none of these things have been just the same now. No, so no, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the album was a massive hit. Uh, in fact, it's yeah. probably regarded as one of Australia's sort of best album best albums really mm. it was a big hit here in new zealand um that song um that david's gonna put a little clip up and probably about now is called um beds are burning and that was the lead single and that was mm. number one How 
And I just remember Mum and Dad buying that um, the tape, and we listened to it so much during '87, and it really sort of showed that music was more than just um, some pop tunes. There were mm. some messages to be had and said, um, and it sort of opened your eyes up about maybe some of the things that weren't going mm. so well in the world. Whether or not mm. an 11-year-old needed to listen to that, I, I don't know, but I've always liked political music. And, um, yeah, and I suppose when it you look did. at it, you, could, you look at it, The Clash would be something that would have inspired this band, yeah. probably. It definitely had a message right through the album. Oh, totally. Yeah, you mm. know it. Um, it, was, um, it was unusual because at that point there wasn't a whole lot of, like, Aussie or Kiwi artists that were kind of crossing over and then kind of like making it big in like the States and, and Europe. But I definitely remember Beds Are Burning from, from back then, um, probably more so than I remember sort of mm. in excess at that time. Um, you know, in mm. excess, you know, yeah. a couple of albums on in excess kind of really broke big over there. But definitely, yeah, you know, mm. uh, Midnight Oil, um, yeah, that, that song. Yeah, it, it's definitely still got a, a, a strong. I've got a strong memory of that song when it was released. Yeah, yeah. I look. I think production-wise on it, um, it still stacks up. I don't think it particularly. Oh, totally. It totally. doesn't suffer from that '80s production style. Heavy uh, snare, the heavy snare uh, drum of the '80s. That's what the I've echo. The echo yeah. snare. Yeah. <laughs> I've not heard. I've not heard the full album. I've got to. I've got to say, is it yeah. a good album? Like, oh yeah, inc- I think incomplete. So. Yeah. Yes, I think it's complete. I do mm. believe it's incomplete, a complete album. Um, I know on the vinyl that I've been having a look at it, I've got the vinyl, and I was like, there's a song missing. Um, and there was. Gun Barrel Highway um, wasn't included, I think, for the length, but um, mm. and and it was cut from the American CD and tape because um, there's a line on it that says, shit falls like rain on a world that is brown. And that was deemed to be too offensive to US audiences. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's definitely, you know, it states to the position and it, it, it attacks you full on. Um, and for me, I just think it's just a powerful, powerful record. Um, and yeah, when I think 87, this was it. Um, mm-hmm. I, rem- I remember that. I can, I can still remember. That blaring from your lounge, from the speakers from your lounge yeah, no, when that, the window was that, open, I could hear that over the fence when yep. I was in the backyard. And it's got that yeah, strange that, squeaky da, sound da, at the end, da, doesn't it? That kind of... Yeah. What is that? I have no idea. Yeah, you tell me. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I know that they're doing a final, I think a final tour. Um, oh, Yeah later this year and I was like and I'm playing in Wellington so I'm thinking I might get a ticket because oh. I never got to see them and by doing this episode I was like man I want to yeah, yeah. go and see that eh? they totally. apparently were quite a formidable act live you know there was mm. you know they hit you in the face you know there's something powerful about music saying a message sometimes you actually don't want music to say a message I quite like the loony stuff as well but yeah this one this one sort of opened my mind up to a whole bunch of other shit that was not so good in the world, and it was pretty packaged in a really cool way. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Yeah, Thanks highly for that. recommend. That's awesome. Highly recommend. Right. Righty-ho. Um, mm. Shall we cut across to you, Ian? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, uh, what do you yes. have for us. Okay, dudes. What I uh, this 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 evening, I'm going to take us uh, 1987 to the land of White Snake. I know. Oh, oh, oh. Rock. 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 And uh, the, the, oh, yeah. the, the, the thing that Nirvana yeah, yeah. killed off. <laughs> uh, I, no, I chose this after doing it. Yeah, after doing a couple of hours of kung fu yoga, I thought, oh yeah, I'll. I'll uh, <laughs> and you stay after the white snake. With your so, uh, what, oh, you are so rock and roll. I've got to stop you. Here. White steak. <laughs> White oh, steak. Oh, <laughs> oh, you can oh, see the t shirt. Oh, let's get the t shirt. Oh, that's awesome. Right. So, white the snake. land of white snake. So, I, I want to start by giving uh, you guys and, uh, uh, of course, our listeners, I want to uh, take you on my uh, kind of white snake journey. Okay, I know it's a little bit over the top, but I think you've got to get into you've got to get into it a little bit. So uh, to give you this kind of live uh, white snake experience that I went through, probably the you know what the good thing to do is again just kind of clear your mind when you go into white snake. Uh, imagine that you're in a in an arena and it's dark. You close your eyes if you want, as long as you're not driving. Your big arena, 10,000 people, it's dark. And there is a, a, a real kind of weird, eerie sound going on. There's a deep bass E-flat note just droning softly and deeply. And you can hear the cymbals on the drums. And then there's some weird Eastern kind of modal guitar-y stuff going on and and just really dim red lights and the stage is starting to fill up with loads of dry ice, heaps of dry ice, dry ice coming out everywhere, man. And the, you can't see any faces. There's no faces. It's just all this going on. And then one spotlight comes on, boom, and out comes David Coverdale in his classic blue jeans, white shirts, running on stage, one single spotlight and yells through the microphone. Hello, darlings. Are you ready to f- rock? Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> Pretty much that's, and then it kicks in. In the still of the night, here, what that buddy? Better than bad, you bow. Oh, how spotted. Are you with me? Yeah, that was are. my. <laughs> I just want to get my lighter out now. <laughs> I'm, there. I'm there. You're there. Oh. That was uh, that. That was a big moment for me. That was my first live um, white snake experience. That was actually in 2003. So the reason I chose the album 1987 is because I used to I used to hate white snake. I used to think they were so rubbish. And um, when I saw them live, I was converted in about uh, literally what I just told you there happened in about 60 seconds, and I was converted in in a minute. Boom. And uh, the whole show was absolutely mind-blowing um, mm. from the start to the very end. And 
so yeah, I went back and revisited the self-titled album, mm. White Snake, White Snake. Yep. And uh, yeah, and I thought to myself, well, there, there is a whole lot of rubbish on it. But if you actually, I think the secret with that album is because you know the album, everyone knows the album. You can see the the picture on the front with the snake, the emblem of the snake. Right, you all know the cover, but you've actually got to go and listen to it, you know, in its entirety. And that's that's the trick with that album because you think, oh, I know that song, but actually go and listen to it. Uh, buy it, it's a really tasty album. of rock right so you've got rock riffs you've got uh tommy aldridge on the drums who's an amazing drummer played with ozzy you've got um you've got adrian vanderberg who's an incredible guitarist uh was it david sykes what was the guy's name here sykes he he was one of the guys that helped write the album but if you look at the album like i've got the song list here there was four singles released off that album. Mm. Still of the Night, which was a great song. Here I Go Again. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. Uh, who doesn't love that? I mean, uh, Is This Love? Yeah, Is This Love? Oh, yeah. That was yeah, a yeah. great song. Give Me All Your Love. Oh, I mean, this. they are actually – they're great songs. And, you know, that 1987 – that's when you know real men sang like real women, you know. They and but they, they just look like them with their hair. Yeah, yeah, they, that's when men's hair was better than women's hair. <laughs> it was, you know. Oh, yeah. that was awesome. You know, the man, the so man, um, the man, which is why we're still thing. dealing with the ozone layer issue because uh, all of the hairspray from '87, <laughs> basically. On a sort of sinister <laughs> note with that album, right? Because that was the album that, you know, prior to that, it had basically been covered out and 
four guys around about the same age as Coverdale, all in their kind of, I guess, late 30s, getting into their 40s. And he was really ruthless when it came to that album in that he basically invited the Ordic band in for a meeting. Um, they all turned up. He didn't, but his lawyer did. And summarily he uh, sacked the whole band uh, on the spot. Um, with no consultation, just, just sacked that's the how band. You, that's, and basically yeah. got the new guns in. <laughs> Relaunch, yeah. MTV, Tawny Kitten <laughs> on a car mm-hmm. hood. And, um, mm. and that was the relaunch of it, basically. <laughs> and that's where it happened. He's, he's just a guy. That's a neat story, actually. I didn't know that. But he is a guy that, um, yeah, when you see him live, and when I saw him, he must have been in his 60. No, he must have been late 50s. No, he must have been 60-ish. Mm. And he just totally owns the stage, man. He he touches you. He touches everyone in that room. And uh, actually, you don't mind being touched by him. You're like, yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, it's all right with a bit of studded leather <laughs> in, a, in a kind of studded latex way. And um, mm-hmm. so, but he's, Martin, he's, what an, was amazing, <laughs> he's an amazing guy. Can I tell you a neat little story, real quick story? Yeah. All right. So, we did this concert, right? And he got halfway through the concert. He was obviously old. And he was, and he hit all the high notes, didn't back out. He was tired. And he said, I'm going to have a break. And someone came running out with a cup of tea. And he sat on the end of the stage. And his guitarist came out with an acoustic guitar. And he said, I'm just going to sing a couple of quiet songs sitting down for my hardcore fans. And I thought that was real cool. (laughs) What a guy. Thanks. What a a guy. He's a man's man. He's, He's a, a man's man. <laughs> He's a man's ow. man. A man's man. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> there we go again. Yeah. Okay, Martin. <laughs> Martin, beat that, mate. Well, from from rockers <laughs> behaving badly to a whole band behaving badly, really, I've gone with Fleetwood Mac and Tango on the night. It doesn't get more <laughs> dysfunctional. No, no, no. It does not. It does not. With, with, with Fleetwood Mac, arguably they're possibly the most perfect band ever. Which one? Fleetwood Mac, the um, the, the when when Lindsay and um, oh yeah, the rumours. Um, yeah, arguably the greatest band of all time because mm-hmm. you had all those different songwriters, male, female, yeah. voice. Mm-hmm. Nothing's, uh, nothing's come close to that, eh? No. In terms no. of how many White songwriters? Snake. Yeah, okay. Sorry about what Snake. Yeah, he just does all on his own. <laughs> He doesn't need. He doesn't need woman. He's got his own here. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So tango in the night. So interesting story behind this album was it, it actually started off as being a Lindsay Buckingham solo album, um, and um, he basically had just released a solo album, which had done all right. Um, the band hadn't released anything for about five years at that point. Uh, Mirage was the album before it, which had done okay numbers. But definitely wasn't sort of up there with like rumors and, and things in terms of sales. Um, and Tango in the Night, yeah, April, April 87, it came out. Um, it's, um, it's when you listen to it, it's quite a strange album to listen to in places, and that it sounds slightly manufactured and kind of mm-hmm. bits of it kind of thrown in that you can't quite fathom what's wrong with it 
or what, mm. what's going on with it. And don't get me wrong, there's some absolutely fantastic songs on that album. Um, the opener, Big Love, which I think we're going to play a clip of. Um, yeah. It's a phenomenal track. Lindsay Buckham, Addie's absolute on fire on that track. Um, so not to top Whitesnake at all, but they actually six singles from this album, which wow. is pretty excessive. Um, but um, yeah, um, at that point, um, they'd kind of had time after all of the breakups, etc., and, and the major drug stuff that was going on. Uh, and it oh, kind of yeah. settled down a little bit, although Stevie Nicks was still pretty, pretty wild. Um, she'd gone off and done her solo album. Um, and in fact, she only came into the studio for two weeks um, out of the mm. whole recording session and was pretty pretty drunk through most of it. And most of her stuff is actually cut from the album. Um, but in <laughs> fairness, um, you know, this was not long after she'd broken up from Buckingham. And all of the lead vocals for the album were recorded in Buckingham's bedroom, in his, <laughs> in his master bedroom, because it was all recorded oh, at his house. Oh, so it, rock and roll. there was ever a trigger to want to go back to the bottle, <laughs> so, probably him. Oh, that is so, <laughs> so bad. Martin, Martin, big love. The- that's the track you've chosen, right? Yeah. Looking out for love In the night so still There's that heavy breathing, isn't there? Okay, so Going here's the on. cool thing about that. So everybody thought it was it was Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. It's not. Yeah. It's actually it's Buckingham doing both parts. Um, he got into a synth at that time. She'd walk out by then. She was <laughs> gone. She was way yeah. gone by that right. point. Um, maybe, maybe he'd listen to David Coverdale. Here I go again on my own. Could be, could be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was using a lot of sampling on the album. And as I say, it's kind of patchwork. But when yeah. you listen to some of the songs on the album and things like Little Lies and... Um, yeah. Huge hit. Yeah, uh, Family Man, stuff like that. When you listen to mm. those songs, the vocals kind of cut very short in places. And that's because he had actually sampled a lot of, of Nix's vocal or oh, right. his own vocal and processed it to the point whereby it actually sounded like Stevie Nicks mm. to kind of fill out the sound more. So wow. although I, it was yeah. originally a, a Buckingham album, it nearly finished as being a, a Buckingham solo album as well, even though it had the Fleetwood Mac name on it. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful album and the production on it is amazing. Um, it's got a real kind of mysterious, slightly ethereal vibe to it, that album. 
And apparently they experimented a lot with like the way that it was recorded as well. They were slowing the tape down and then double tracking it while it was slowed down and then speeding it up and triple tracking it and then bringing it back to normal speed. They're doing all kinds of weird stuff of it to get this kind of slightly mysterious sound going on on that album. And it's there all the way In the bedroom, it. under the, the sheets, out of the sheets, in yeah. the wardrobe, that kind of, that must have been a kinky sesh. That's just Lindsay on his own. That was just Lindsay. That's yeah. just Lindsay on his own. He's a very underrated guitar player oh, and yeah. Um, yeah. arranger and um, producer. He is. Producer. He is yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. Is. He's the full Are package. they one of those bands? Are they one of those bands, though, that require each other to make that success? Um, yes. Yeah. Look, yeah. Yeah. If you, you know how mm. they met, right? You know the story about how um, Mick Fleetwood found them. It was, it was, it was, it's the equivalent of Paul and John meeting in 58 or whenever it was, right? So he's in, he's, so Mick, just quickly, Mick Fleetwood's traveling through um, Lyle Canyon. And I talked about Lyle Canyon, I think, last week with Joni Mitchell. So Lyle Canyon out in the States, a lot of folk artists and that come from that part of the world. Um, yep. He was just traveling through there. And I think he might have been at a diner or something like that and bumped into a record producer that, or someone that he knew. And they said, come, come back to the studio, I'll show you around. And it's just this, Potchy little studio in the middle of nowhere, and um, and Lindsay and um, Nick had just uh, cut a, um, a an album a duet album, and it was being played back on the loudspeakers, and Mick Fleetwood was like, "Who was that? I got it. You know, give me more of that." And he's like, "Oh, that's just nobody. Um, don't worry about them." And he listens to them, and then he said, "Well, no, I, I, you got to introduce me to them." And as soon as, um, and then he got he got John McVie involved, and he said, "John, you got to listen to these guys; they're brilliant." And without auditioning, they basically hired them straight off the bat. The only thing that they had to pass was the the Christine McVie test, because Christine McVie, in her wisdom, she says to Mick Fleetwood, she says, "There's nothing worse in a band than two women that don't get along." Mm-hmm. So, can I please meet the Stevie before she joins the band? That went well. <laughs> And and it did work and it did well. It did go well initially. Um, but um, yeah. but if it wasn't for that chance meeting, you'd never have that incarnation. Um, oh, yeah. just very quickly as a, as a final, the album cover. So it's got this great painted album cover, um, and it's by um, it's actually done by an Australian artist called Brett Livingston Strong, uh, and it's based on um, the work of the French painter. Uh, is it Henry or Henri Rousseau? Um, Henri. Henri. And the painting, Henri. the actual yeah. painting is actually in uh, Buckingham's living room. That's where they got the idea. So oh. they saw the painting in his living room. He probably didn't wow. even know he had it. He was so busy. That song <laughs> Everywhere is um, was, was always one of my favorites just because of yeah. its ethereal quality. And I know it was released on it was it was it was released um, on the radio and that, but it's still yeah, yeah you, were, you were a big you were a big fan of that album david i remember yeah. you having the tape of yeah. it along with la bumba as well and they were yeah. one sort of that when i thought 87 when it came up i thought oh i'm sure david will either pick that <laughs> one or that one um i think you've picked yeah. something quite different but yeah it was going to be one of those eh? that um yeah that fleetwood mac album that must have been the last one martin before uh, they must have broken up after that because they did, they did, yeah. They had the dance, the dance mm. um, yeah. tour in '97, I think. Mm-hmm. 
um, where they basically had the reunion and there's that, that famous DVD they put out of the dance and they've got the big brass band at the end. Um, yeah, they must have they, they must have gone on hiatus for a while because... Oh, I don't, I don't think, think they, they were really... really yeah, listening well, to what Martin just said, I don't think they were really functional as a band very well. well this, that, the kind of sad it. thing about it as well was, is, was the reason that the breakup happened after the album was because basically they all kind of just said, oh, yeah, you know, Lindsay did it, but, you know, whatever, we're flew with Mac, we're going to go out on the road and tour it. And Lindsay Buckman was like, hang on a second, I wrote, like, most of the album, I produced the album, I sang on most yeah. of the album, I did all of this, and I got no credit for it at all. So screw you guys, mm. I'm leaving. And that was it. Mm. And that's when it all kind of broke down. Right. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's you know, it's, absolutely. Any, I'd yeah. say any, any budding guitar players that are listening to our show this evening, mm. Uh, I think they should definitely go and listen to his acoustic version of Big Big Love oh, on that's YouTube. That's crazy. That's crazy. Go and good. learn that. Go and learn that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. It's too too <laughs> fancy. He does it. That in the Can you do it in? Can you play that? Just, yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Line, yeah. Okay. Just, just one, easy. Just <laughs> one, one, yeah. one handed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sweet ass. All right. Easy. Oh, <laughs> love it. Got the cauliflower steak in the other pan. What keys you want to end? Whatever key you think sounds best. Moving right along. Dave, get me out of shit quick. Um, I didn't choose La Bamba, and obviously I didn't choose Fleetwood Mac. I know. Look, I I, I have a big albums for you, man. I have a love hate with La Bamba. You know, I sat by, mm. this is 87. I was sitting by my parents' stereo more than I was at school, I think, trying to record the bloody intro to that song. So if you remember La Bamba, right, there's that neat guitar intro. And every bloody DJ thought that that they needed to talk over that intro. I, I hate it when they it do that. It was just the, the thing. God. It was like, there's David Chan at Fording Common Street, and he's not going to record this. I'm going to talk over it, and and mm. and they and I never got it. And so I I, I bought the bought the cassette, of course, and loved the tape. But I'm not going to talk about La Bamba. I'm going to talk about something quite different uh, for a different reason. So Suzanne Vega, um, she released her uh, second studio album in '87 called Solitude Standing, um, and I chose this because the the single was was released in 87 um by the same name and when i heard that for the very first time um i thought wow that is dark and creepy it's a little bit like eleanor rigby in the beatles sort of back catalog it's one of those songs that's all in the minor keys um the 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 voice is almost um uh, she's got a lovely voice but really she's in this she's it's kind of droney like you know and not not all that exciting, especially compared to something like, say, Tom's Diner, which is also on the album, opens the album, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and but I love the song because because it is um, it's just so different. It's so sort of eclectic, and I find myself it, it's it's got that um, hypnotic kind of rhythm going to it. I walk in the room, I can see by her eyes she's been waiting 
again by her black silhouette, by her long, cool stare and her silence. I suddenly remember each time we've met and she turns to me with her hand extended. Solitude Standing Solitude. is the name of the album and the track. She, she had three big hits off this record. So it's her second studio album. She had Tom's Diner, um, which is a cappella and opens the album. And it's it's the one that has um, the... And which, which was looped, right? And used um, uh-huh. uh, with a dance beat by a couple of guys um, on the club scene and did extremely well in the club scene. So she worked with them and licensed it properly. Um, Luca, which is another similar um i guess story like song she's talking about luca I she live lives on, on the second, second floor of the second she's, floor she's, i live upstairs from right. you up yeah, yeah 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 um a good storyteller and and this album in particular is one which has um some outstanding lyrics um she's she's mm. a singer songwriter through and through she wrote tom's diner from tom's diner i mean she was a receptionist going kind of nowhere with their career in music, working as a receptionist and and basically sat there in a diner, which is still there to this day, and wrote Tom's Diner. And that basically just um, the rest of the history. That 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 was released. I mean, I think Tom's Diner was a sort of 84, 85 song. Um, uh, and she just basically, you know, was working, uh, writing and producing music part-time up until 87 when she released this. And, and this is her sort of coming-of-age record. Um, um, it, it did exceptionally well and um, still does to this day. She's just put out, like in the last month, no, a couple of weeks, she's just put out a, um, a beautiful um, three vinyl, three album box set that has um, all of her tracks, but basically just cut back in terms of production and, and very much just acoustic. Um, and it's, yeah. So Suzanne Vega, I remember, buying, a... I remember buying that album when I was about... Maybe yeah. 14 or 15 on CD. And yep. uh, I remember listening to Tom's Diner and I was, I was big into blues and rock. And I, put, and I put that on and I actually thought they'd forgotten to record the band. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where's the band? Wait, hang on, it's coming in a minute. Yeah. Nah, there's no band. There's still no band. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, and the, just the little inflections in her voice and how she makes it sound so interesting and you, you just sort of hang off every word when you when you watch her on youtube singing it live it's mm. quite, it's quite extraordinary um and, and she's in fact, a good songwriter man she, she's a brilliant songwriter and mm. uh just um just a very interesting person she does a lot of poetry she she just writes and publishes her diaries just their daily thoughts really um a really interesting person so check her out if you haven't um uh and that's a that's an excellent place to start solitude standing second studio album and it's the one that's it's got big collection of, of well-known songs some lesser known songs i think there's only one i was listening to it today uh, on the record player and there's only one song i think it's track three on side one that that really has dated um because it does have those nasty snares snare drums um with the echoes and that going on but everything else is acoustic and is really held up awesome um, yeah cool so it was that so, we, 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 we haven't touched on possibly the greatest single that was ever released of all time in that year. Oh, are we going to take a guess around the table? What do you What do you think it might be? Greatest single. Um, it's got to be. With or without you, it? you too? No. No? Yeah. Got to be a Guns N' Roses song, was it? No. No, it's not bad. you. Know? 
Who's better? No, it's, not, oh. it's not bad. No. No. It is never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. <laughs> never going to turn around and desert you. I had that cassette. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm just saying. I, I sacrificed it many years later. <laughs> I, think, I think I have just rickrolled you guys and well, also our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> We're no strangers to love. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, who the man for the intros for the show and the outros for the show, Mr. Thurston. (laughs) So I had as a a 12-year-old, I had an argument with my mother in 87 when Rick Astley came on the scene. And I I argued (laughs) that he was a better dancer than MJ. And my mother disowned me. She she said, "You go and find somewhere else to live, boy." Oh, and and I thought, shit. no, because oh. I love the way Rick danced. I look at it now and I think I must have been yeah. on something. It, it was all in the pants. You've all got in the pants. Again, what a voice! What I've noticed oh. is that uh, quite interesting in our in our reviews, the last couple of eighties ones we've done, yeah. that no none of us have touched on prog. Why is that? Because eighties prog I, sucks. I, I, 90s, yeah. 2000 Crocs, good. 80s Crocs yeah. There was none of it around. No, I don't think it was. It wasn't cool. It was all about the speed, man. It was all about the, you know, the tapping and the speed and, you know, that shredding and shit in terms mm. of guitar stuff. You it like must shredders. have been a good prog band in the 80s. Come on. No, I, I don't know. You'd have, to go, you'd have to go into the alternative scene to work that out. Um, but that's I, a good question oh, for our listeners. I, I would throw, I, I'd throw Marillion into the mix there. I'd say that there's oh, a couple oh, of Marillion albums. Love Marillion. Yeah, Mum and Dad love Marillion. There you go. Yeah, that's a good band. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm, so what are we doing next week? Um, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. It's oh, Star, Star Wars. Wars holiday special. Oh, a Star Wars holiday special. Am I, am I supposed to be host? Am I hosting it? You're the host of the yeah, most. You, you can if you can Listen, if you want to. Do we is, want to do a Star Wars is, special? The thing is, if we're doing a Star Wars special, let me just be honest. You guys are Star Wars geeks, right? And I'm not. And so maybe it might be better. You're the perfect person. Then to you're host the perfect it. person to host it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, it might be better. It might yeah, be better so if we have a like proper geek no, out. No, there are three, two, three big egos here, mate. You need to control us. Yeah. Martin, are you? Are you? In, are you? Are you? Are not a Star Wars geek, are you, man? Come on. You no, are not at all. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm on my own. I'm on my own. I'm part, I'm part of the Five O First Legion and dress up as a stormtrooper. I'm TK two eight nine one four. Um, so no, TK28914. That is one six. Yep, that's uh, are right. you sure? Yes, I am. Hey, uh, guys, so yes, I, I'm totally like I'm sitting in the Millennium Falcon right now. You, you should I mean, do it, you should host it, man. I'll let me pass it over. I'll take the one after. You could do a nice Star Wars special, mate. Do a nice one. Go on. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. You, yeah, you'll work something out with a Star Wars thing for our listeners. David yeah. and I the, can do it. Such, no, no, such no. a, such <laughs> a massive, it was on a massive influence on our young lives. Absolutely. I mean, I love Star Wars. I just have not, I've not watched it like intensely, but I, I mean, I love it. Who doesn't like Star Wars? It's, I, well, a lot of any, people. Really? Yeah, no, no don't we, do if any of okay, our listeners yeah. don't okay. like Star Wars, Excellent. can they tell us why on Facebook? Uh, well, I don't really. I'll probably won't even read them. That's <laughs> a bit risky. We're going to delete those posts. Okay, I'll get, is, there, is there a thumb down on it? Yeah. Is there a thumb down? All right. So, yes, let's do Star Wars, and I'll host it, 
And what we'll do is we'll break down this sucker. Yeah. Why? Well, we'll, uh, we'll why ask indeed. Them. We'll ask. Should we the just why talk questions. about Star Wars all night? Yeah, yeah we will. It'll be appallingly <laughs> interesting. That's the idea. Night for me. It's never. It's never a fun yeah, night. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry, yeah. All right. That sounds wicked, <laughs> and we know what All the right. intro will be, don't we? I think so. All right. All right, chaps. I've got it's a good catch up. Yeah. Are we done for time? Are we? No. What's that, mate? Yeah. The princess. We're really, we're just about out. Probably. I've got to say, I've got to say, Princess Leia is probably the hottest chick ever in the world, especially in Empire Strikes Back. Oh man, totally. Yeah. I'd like to end on that. All right. <laughs> Love Love you that guys. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.